stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, hey, folks, Rob Breckenridge with you here on a busy Tuesday afternoon. And yes, we've got provincial uh, referendum results to talk about, uh, federal cabinet changes to talk about. We'll do all of that over the course of the next hour, a few other things to get to as well. But off the top in this hour, I want to get right to our, our next guest here in a fascinating new book, uh, looking at Canada's criminal underworld and some connections to the Mexican cartels. The book is called The Wolf Pack, the millennial mobsters who brought chaos and the cartels to the Canadian underworld. And joining us on the line are the two authors of this book. First of all, we have a veteran organized crime author and journalist Peter Edwards joining us. Peter, welcome to the program. Oh, great to be here. Thanks for having us. And also joining us is co-author Luis Najera, who's an award-winning Mexican journalist. Uh, Luis, thanks so much for joining us here as well. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting that the Wolf Pack probably isn't a, a name that a lot of Canadians are familiar with. Some of the other gangs and cartels in this book, I think people will, will recognize. Uh, so maybe we'll put it to you first, Peter, to, to explain who and what the Wolf Pack was. Uh, they were a, um, an association of different groups, including the Hells Angels, some um, traditional or mafia group ones, some... Um, uh, there's an Irish gang in uh, Montreal, a little bit of that. So it was it was a very, very diverse group, and the uh, goal was to bring up cocaine from Mexico. It was interesting, Louise, because, you know, you're from Mexico originally. You came to Canada to get away from all of this. Uh, obviously, being a journalist and covering these issues in Mexico is, is very dangerous. So you come to Canada, and at what point did you realize that the problem had come here as well? Basically, since I arrived, I when we fled Mexico, uh, we landed in Vancouver, and uh, as you know, Vancouver has a strong uh, presence of uh, different uh, groups uh, because of the importance of Vancouver as a port of entry. And uh, I lived in the suburbs uh, nearby Surrey. Surrey is a, a city where there's a lot of criminal activity happening there uh, because of these different groups fighting each other. So pretty much since I landed here, I realized that there was a big problem, which was uh, surprising to me because uh, I was said, uh, well, I, I didn't realize how complicated the situation was at some point. Yeah, and, and kind of the roots of this, Peter, go back to, to the situation in, in Montreal where the Rizzutos, the, the mafia, had, had really held a grip on the underworld there. Uh, Vito Rizzuto gets gets taken out, and there's a, a void to be filled here. So we've got these these young guys who became the Wolf Pack, different backgrounds, a lot of really interesting characters, uh, you know, spread out across the country. Was there a sense of opportunism here that, that really drove the formation of this group? Yeah, there was a big opportunity with Vito Rizzuto out of the way. Also, there had been a big crackdown on Hell's Angels in Quebec, and so um, uh, it, the demand was still there to buy the product, but there wasn't the um, competition that normally would have been. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you, and you guys covered a lot of these trials and, and through court documents, a lot of the correspondence between these individuals come to light. And, and they're, they're young guys. They're really kind of interesting characters, colorful characters in a lot of ways. Uh, and they're, they're using the Internet. They're using texting. Is that a different approach then to, to that kind of organization? Um, no, it's the, it's the, it's the new reality. Yeah. Uh, now, um, you know, we have technology for a lot of good things, but the same technology is used to do bad things. So the Internet is one of, it's a big one. Uh, 
so they you can communicate with us right now or we can text we can i don't know do a lot of things uh, they uh, use the same technology to uh, arrange uh, ship, shipments of cocaine or even to arrange uh, murders so and Luis, let me ask you this first of all it, it, you know, because obviously when getting into business with uh, the cartels getting into business with uh, the sinaloa cartel and el chapo there's an inherent danger there, but I guess if, if you want to move cocaine in, into Canada, is, is that kind of the only option? Why, why did they get in bed with the cartel? Uh, because the cartel is controlling the, 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 the routes. Yeah. Basically, if you want to bring something from Bolivia, Colombia, all the way up to Canada, you need to arrange um, safe passage with, with the cartels. and, and or Basically, you have to pay them to bring you the, the drugs here. Uh, so that's the only way that you can do it. You may try to do it by yourself, but uh, it's going to be extremely risky if you, if you try to do that. Yeah. Well, risk, risky indeed, wasn't it, Peter? I mean, uh, you know, business was good for a while, but, um, you know, there, there's uh, an inherent danger lurking there. Yeah, and a lot of times they go in where you'll have three different um, groups or people going in on a drug deal, and then when it gets close to the border, they turn on each other because the drugs are almost there and you get a lot more money if you kill off one of them. And so um, these groups have, have more to fear from themselves than they do from law enforcement a lot of the time. Yeah, and that comes through in the story. I mean, you know, there, there's, there, there's that level of violence that exists in the criminal underworld, obviously, but there, there seemed to be something a little more brazen about these guys and, you know, the, the, the shootings, uh, the murders that took place in broad daylight in crowded areas. What was it about them and their approach that, that led to this, this chaos? I think they needed tension. There's something about the Internet where um, you need to do something loud. I mean, we saw Donald Trump doing that, where you do loud, outrageous things and people notice you. And so they do something big and they'd have to just to have an identity, um, do it with a real flourish. So they um, killed one guy under a soccer under a TV screen when there was a huge crowd watching a soccer game. They killed someone else in a really nice restaurant where the American women's soccer team was walking by. They they needed an audience. It's almost like um, the most annoying kid you know on his worst day. You know, they needed to um, to be seen when they did something disgusting. Yeah, and, and Louise, I mean, this this violence extended to Mexico uh, at a time when, when that country is really plagued by violence. But the idea of, you know, Canadians being killed in, in Mexico or Canadians going to Mexico for this purpose, uh, that's not something we're, we're used to hearing. So was it also a case then of, of these Canadians bringing some of that violence back down to Mexico? Well, they, they, some of them went to Mexico to look for uh, either to hide. There's some cases in the book that we found that people who went to, to Mexico to hide, others went to do business, others went to try to solve some disputes there, but uh, eventually they found uh, an, an ugly uh, ending. So, and at the, one of the things is you, I mean, this is a risky and it's a dangerous business, so you never know when things may uh, turn loose or or, or become uh, do something that uh, unexpected that you have no idea that's going to happen, and, and and unfortunately, people die. 
Yeah, and what comes through as well in this story, Peter, and you've covered, you know, organized crime a long time, that, you know, the, the backgrounds of these individuals, their, their path to this life of crime. I mean, you know, some of these individuals have lengthy backgrounds in crime, you know, long rap sheet, and this has been their life. Others seem to come from more comfortable backgrounds. Uh, you know, one of these, these guys comes from a, a family of Palestinian refugees. You know, really different backgrounds, really different paths to this, this lifestyle. Yeah, that what that got me a lot was that um, they didn't really need the money at a certain point. Like, um, I know of one guy who made a lot of money in crime and then just quit, and now he's got a nice paid-off house and a quiet lifestyle. And, I mean, that's a smart way of doing it because police lose interest and everybody moves on. These guys had to uh, just keep doing it. I mean, there's one guy in the book who had a Ferrari. He got a better Ferrari. He also got a Lamborghini. He also got a Range Rover. He also got three Harley-Davidson motorcycles that he stuck in his aunt's name. I mean, he just couldn't stop spending money. And and just, you know, the, wanting that profile even. At one point in the book, and I think it came out of one of the trials, one of these photographs, we've got the, the members uh, of this, this group, the Wolf Pack, and they're, they're dressed to the nines in, in their fancy suits, and there they are on Parliament Hill, all, all posing for a picture. A huge sense, sense of entitlement, yeah. like a huge, um, and not even really getting it that they're the bad guys. Like they somehow right. think they should be. It's like you cheated to score a goal in sports and then you want to parade. You know, like they, and when they were killings where they, they wouldn't just kill the guy, they, they'd announce it on the internet and then brag about it and then joke about it. Um, a huge, a huge need for attention. Yeah, and, and I mean, without giving too much away, obviously, about uh, where things go wrong, I mean, you know, I think certainly the, the title implies that there's a, a past tense to all of this, that, that this group had its moment, and obviously, uh, for a variety of reasons, things uh, went badly wrong for them. So, uh, Louise, is, is there any wolf pack left to speak of? There's, there's some uh, members, because uh, remember that this is an alliance. This mm-hmm. is not like a formal, consolidated uh, group. This is an alliance where people join. Uh, there's some members uh, in the book that uh, they uh, presented themselves as, as, as members of the Wolfpack, but nobody really called them like, oh, you are, or identified them as, oh, you are a Wolfpack. So there, there, there's uh, a lot of moving parts. And, and this is, again, this is the new normal in, in, in organized crime. Uh, here and in Mexico, you have uh, larger groups breaking apart because of uh, ambition or because of uh, the trials, whatever the, 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 the situation is. But this is this is pretty kind of new yeah. normal. And, and uh, there, there should be, of course, members that uh, they weren't, uh, they keep kind of a low profile or, or they never openly presented themselves as, as members of the Wolfpack, but they are, they, they, they are of course, uh, here and there. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, guys go to jail, guys get killed, other guys step up and fill that void. I mean, El Chapo went to prison. Obviously, the cartels didn't go away. Uh, Luis, and let me ask you, I mean, you know, to what extent then are, are the cartels still involved in, you know, in moving drugs, moving cocaine to Canada? Uh, they are super involved. Actually, one of the things that we found in the book is how the cartels use somehow took advantage of these uh, smaller ambitious groups like the Wolfpack to settle here in Canada. So now they are uh, running operations uh, here directly, uh, using, of course, some criminals here, but, but the, the, the leading voice is, is, is from members of the cartel. And it's interesting too, Peter, and this is probably the first book that really touches on this, is how the pandemic 
has really disrupted, you know, this this whole trade, uh, you know, the, the whole underworld of uh, of uh, moving and, and selling drugs. So how have the cartels, how has the, you know, the, the underworld here in Canada been affected? Now they're extremely adaptable. I mean, there are all sorts of ways to move cocaine. And so they uh, they can find the market. Um, they can seize it. They can seal up the border but they'll find a way of getting it in i mean we didn't have a cocaine free day during the pandemic um, <laughs> one thing that blew me away was that you can move in textiles and have them saturated in cocaine and and then just take the cocaine out later the dumber criminals don't know how to do it but the smart ones can and so if you have three dumb guys working together they're suspicious <laughs> of doing it because they don't know if they can take yeah. the drugs out right or not but it, there's a million ways of doing it there's a lot of trucking there's a lot of little compartments in trucks working for mainstream places. Yeah, and, and Louise, too, I mean, one thing that stood out to me just speaks to the power of the cartels that, you know, in the height of the pandemic, here they were in, enforcing lockdown measures. Yeah, in Mexico, they, they, they took uh, seriously the role of uh, the, 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 the real government there in, yeah. some, in some areas, and they decided, you know, uh, we have to obey. Because, uh, and again, this has a, a strategic uh, there's some strategic point of this. They need to, in those days, with the lockdowns, were enforced because they need to keep their own people safe. Right. So they don't, it, 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 they don't, it's not possible to run an organization without people. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the, uh, the point of uh, the lockdowns here at the border, uh, something that we need to remember is the lockdowns at the border were lockdowns for regular people like you and me. But the border has been in lockdown forever for them always, because it's not like oh now there's something right. you can cross with drugs. No, they, they, so for them it was just kind of find a way to adapt even more. Yeah, and like you say, Peter, they're adaptable, and there's always a void to be filled, and those willing to step up and fill it. And I, I suppose we're seeing that in the aftermath of the Wolfpack's demise, others stepping in and filling that void. Yeah, and we're also seeing people um, connected to the Wolfpack who are just um, reorganizing themselves. I think one thing that really jumped out working on the book was the um, the role of the Internet. Like you can have people in Montreal working with people in Calgary, working with people in yeah. Vancouver, and you don't need a clubhouse like the Bikers had or a geographic center like um, some mafia groups had. You can just have... Um, your old global village, like we heard about, you know, was going to come a long time ago. Where you get that sort of thing on the internet, just a, a little uh, meeting of the minds there. Well, it's a wild story with some some wild characters. It's called the Wolf Pack, the millennial mobsters who brought chaos and the cartels to the Canadian underworld. Peter Edwards, Luis Nahara, thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Really appreciate this. Uh, thanks for up. Thank you. There you go. Peter Edwards, Luis Nahara, both uh, veterans covering the uh, organized crime scene, both Canada and Mexico. And again, their new book, The Wolf Pack. All right. We got a lot to get to still here this afternoon. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.